is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. We're jumping into 2022 recruiting on this episode. Our first 2022 recruit is going to join the show in Isaac Ham, the very talented three-star defensive end, uh, defensive lineman from Sun Prairie High School in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, just east of Madison for those geographically challenged. Ham already has eight offers, including Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Indiana, Penn State, Purdue, Iowa. Uh, He came out with a top four a couple months ago that had Wisconsin on that list, although he did say there could be some changes to that top four. We'll kind of dive into that with Isaac here in just a couple minutes, as well as the upcoming spring football season, which he'll be participating in, his growth in his game, and how his relationship with the Badgers has changed with Anoki Brechtfield no longer with the program. And speaking of that, Ross Kalaji is the new defensive line coach with Wisconsin. Don't remember if I mentioned that over the weekend or not. Kalaji with his first defensive uh, assistant coaching position anywhere after being Wisconsin's strength and conditioning coach for the last several years under head coach Paul Christ. And Kalaji will be uh, the first of two new assistant coaches this year as quarterback coach John Bunmeyer is reportedly leaving the program to take over as the offensive coordinator at Colorado State. Bud Meyer has been the quarterback coach for Wisconsin the last three years since the NCAA allowed teams to hire a 10th assistant. And John has done a, did a fantastic job with Wisconsin in terms of recruiting quarterbacks nationwide, having brought in Jack Cohn, Chase Wolf, Graham Mertz, and Deacon Hill in this last recruiting class. So uh, this is going to be an interesting hire for Paul Chris. Will he go with another quarterback? A Scott Tolzien, maybe a Brooks Bollinger, Daryl Bevel. Who knows what Paul Chris will do if he'll hire someone to coach quarterbacks or another position altogether. Although there's not that many left that don't have a position coach. So that'll be something to watch for in the coming weeks. However, the main news to talk about here at the start of the show is Wisconsin basketball. And we talked on Saturday after the loss to Ohio State at home from the Cole Center and kind of address some of the topics that are really holding Wisconsin back. A lack of a consistent post threat, too many three-point shots, a lack of a consistent third score. There's been a lot of things that have kind of cropped up here over the last several weeks that have been a little bit bothersome for fans as they look at this Wisconsin team and try to project, will this Badger team make a solid, consistent, really threatening run at a Big Ten regular season championship? And will they compete in the postseason, assuming we have one, of course, in this pandemic 2021 year. And we talked to Brad Davison earlier this week, the Wisconsin senior guard that's kind of been going through a prolonged shooting slump here over the last several weeks. And we asked him about some of the struggles with this team, with the three-point shooting struggles, with some of the stagnant uh, uh, ability inabilities of the offense to kind of look so good at one minute and then all of a sudden look so disjointed another. And here's what Brad had to say leading into the Maryland game. You know, I don't think we've reached our potential by any means. You know, that's the goal is you want to be playing your best ball in March and you want to work the kinks out. Um, and then, you know, you want to get rolling at the right time. You know, with that being said, we're not satisfied with where we are, um, but we also know that we are right where we need to be and that we're in striking distance to achieve all that we want to achieve this year. Um, so we just got to keep moving forward, keep getting better every day. Um, and we know that if we focus on the right things and, you know, value the defensive side of the floor, we'll be right where we need to be at the end of the, end of the year. Um, so we we keep talking, you know, we win two, then we lose. We win two, then we lose. We got to get over that hump. Once you win three in a row, it becomes a habit. So we got to string a few together here and get on a roll. So obviously there's a lot of confidence there from a senior guard who's been around quite a bit. And you kind of felt that Wisconsin was going to play much better in this game than they did in the previous meeting against Maryland. After all, 
in that first meeting in Madison, that loss, 70-64, came right after Wisconsin won at Michigan State for the first time in 16 years. And Wisconsin did not play well in terms of their ability to guard the paint. They gave up 38 points in the lane. Uh, Maryland shot 50% from the field, out-rebounded the Badgers by three, despite Maryland having a much smaller lineup. So you would expect Wisconsin to come out with a little bit of fire and a little bit of something to prove, and you saw that correctly if you watched the game where Wisconsin had an 18-point lead at halftime. Wisconsin was forceful inside. They made Maryland retreat to the perimeter, and the Terps didn't have any real rhythm. Uh, Maryland shot a total of 17 three-pointers in the first meeting against Wisconsin, and then they shot 14 three-pointers in the first half on Wednesday night. By the way, spoiler, Wisconsin won 61-55, which was a big road win for this team, but more on on what actually led to that here. Uh, Wisconsin, eight second-chance points off five offensive rebounds. They were plus 10 on the glass. They averaged almost 1.2 points per possession while holding Maryland to less than .668 points per possession. You couldn't have asked for a better first half, and then Wisconsin, for whatever reason, went into let's just shoot three-pointers without touching the post mode, something that we've seen too much this year and something that senior point guard Demetri Trace admitted after the game is that Wisconsin just seems to get into these modes where they just hold the ball, hold the ball, run a little ball screen action, then force up a shot that isn't always necessarily a good look, and that results in a one-and-done possession, and then the other team gets, gets the ball and gets moving. Wisconsin defensively was really good, and the final numbers on that in just a second, but that first chunk of the second half made a very lopsided game, a very nail-biting game. Maryland scored 30, 21 points on their first on their 31 first-half possessions, and they scored 22 points on their first 16 possessions of the second half, cutting an 18-point lead down to three. Wisconsin started two for 11 in that half, one of seven from three-point range, ended up shooting 29.2% in the second half, 30.8% from three-point range, and committed seven of their 12 turnovers. And also, Wisconsin didn't make a bucket in the final seven minutes and five seconds of the game, and yet still somehow found a way to win. And they did that because Micah Potter played at an exceptionally high level. And you're going to hear from Micah Potter here in just a minute. Potter was active early, and it came from his work in the low post. Wisconsin attacked early. They attacked often. He scored inside on UW's third possession. That allowed him to have some confidence where he had a three-pointer around the midway point in the second half. And then he scored nine points in the final 3-12 of the first half, two of which came uh, the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned three-point plays where he finished inside, draw a foul, and made the free throw. And you could tell that he started to really get some confidence going at that point. Nearly had a double-double at halftime. And then the second half, in a critical, critical juncture, he took over the game. Uh, He had nine points in 109 seconds after Maryland had made it 46-42. That run, complementing a Jonathan Davis uh, bucket as well, made Wisconsin lead 57-42 with 7.05 remaining. That was Potter's three-pointer was the last field goal Wisconsin made but Wisconsin was able to hold on thanks in large part to Micah Potter. That 20-5 to run was scary, I think, for a lot of people, seeing this 18-point lead that Wisconsin had worked so hard to build pretty much evaporate in the blink of an eye. But you have to give Wisconsin credit. The final 11:45 of the game, Maryland just had six field goals, which included a meaningless three-pointer with eight seconds left. 
And you have to give Wisconsin a lot of credit because they performed better with its ball screen defense. They didn't collapse defensively very often, which allowed them to stay spaced out and took away the driving lanes of Maryland's guards, which really hurt them in the first meeting. And Maryland, after scoring 38 points in the paint against Wisconsin in Madison in December, managed just 20 points in the lane on Wednesday night. And as a result, Maryland just shot 35.8%, and they averaged just 0.917 points per possession. One, I wrote about this in my five takeaways, one series really uh, signaled to me that this Wisconsin team was locked in and ready to play. It happened very early on when Wisconsin was leading 12-4. to Jonathan Davis drove baseline and took a long, uh, took a jump shot that uh, along the baseline that was long, but Tyler Wall leaped over uh, Akeem Hart, who was going up for the rebound, and knocked the ball back towards Davis on the opposite end of the court. Davis kind of corralled the ball, kind of uh, you know, uh, dribbled out uh, towards the three-point arc, and he quickly handed it off to, to Trice, who faked the three-point shot before passing it to Wall, who was open uh, for three in front of the Maryland bench. He attacked the rim but was blocked by Donta Scott, but the ball went right to Davis, and Davis then went high off the glass for that second-chance point to give Wisconsin a 14-4 lead, and Maryland was forced to take a timeout. It's those offensive rebounds that have been missing at times this year, that ability to attack the glass and to be aggressive in the paint that has been missing at times. That was there throughout this Wisconsin-Maryland game, and it's evident, too, with that series, with Demetrius Trace getting uh, eight rebounds in this game, and just really kind of finding a good offensive flow for Wisconsin. I think that was critical for the Badgers, along with having just Micah Potter play at an outstanding level. Uh, I mentioned Potter's kind of his point production, but uh, you look at 23 points, it's a season high for him. He had his double-double early. He had 12 rebounds, four on the offensive glass, four for six in three-point range, and two assists. And as he's going to tell you here in just a second from our media conversation with him Wednesday night, it was all about mindset. He knew that he needed to play better against the Terrapins in round two than he did in round one. Here's Micah Potter from uh, Wednesday night. It's kind of a weird game. What, what you, what's going through your mind when an 18-point lead is suddenly down to three halfway through the second half? Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew they were going to throw a punch. Um, they did the same thing to his last year, or last game. You know, we were up, and then we, you know, we came back, and we hit us. And they're aggressive, and they play really hard, so you know what's going to happen. So the biggest thing you got to do is just, you know, Get that energy back, you know. Game basketball is a game of momentum, a game of runs. So just gotta make sure you can take that punch to be able to give it back. We were able to do that tonight. Michael, when you guys played Maryland earlier in the year, you shot two for eight from the floor, had just five rebounds, four points. Today, twenty-three points, twelve rebounds, shot really well. Um, what was the difference for you today compared to the first time you saw the Terps? Mindset. It was all mindset. Um, I knew going into this game, I didn't know how many points I was going to score, how many rebounds I was going to have, but I just knew I was going to be, I needed to be way more aggressive than I was in the last game. Um, you know, and, you know, my teammates were able to find me for open shots and I was able to finish strong inside and make my free throw. So it's just one of those things where I, you know, you learn from your mistakes and, you know, I was able to learn from it and, and prove it on the floor tonight. When it got to, four, you, you mentioned that you knew Maryland was going to hit you guys. It got to 43-40 and you guys answered, Push it back up to 57, 42, I believe it was. I don't know if you learned anything about your team by doing that tonight, but what do you think you found out just in that little sequence, the way you responded? Well, it shows the resiliency that we can have and we do have as a team. You know, it's last year we were able to, you know, we got hit lots of times last year starting all the way back in the preseason. And 
So it's just one of those things where it's like you grow from your experience. Um, you know, last time we played them, we weren't able to respond as well as we needed to. So it's just one of those things, learning from your experience, learning from your mistakes, and you just got to keep it going, you know, move, keep it going forward, moving forward. Micah, you mentioned mindset. Did you do anything different for the game today or anything sort of stick out as far as when you you knew and you felt like you were going to kind of go off tonight? Like I said, I didn't know how many points I was going to have. Um, I didn't know how many shots I was going to make. I just knew I needed to be more aggressive, you know, posting up, setting better screens, and you know, rolling harder, playing harder on any everything, all of the above. I needed to be better. So um, that was just my mindset going forward. I was kind of I was ticked off from last game. I knew that couldn't happen ever again, and um, it's just one of those things, you know. You you you. I didn't play well, and it ticked me off. So I was just ready to go today. <laughs> That again, Wisconsin senior Micah Potter. So Wisconsin now 7-3 in the Big Ten, uh, just a game and a half behind Michigan. They're staying in uh, on the East Coast. They're flying to uh, State College, Pennsylvania on Thursday. They'll be there Thursday and Friday and then play Saturday afternoon against uh, the Nittany Lions before returning home where they'll have to prepare to play Penn State again on Tuesday. This game on Saturday was rescheduled from January 3rd when Penn State went on pause. So now the Badgers play a NBA schedule of back-to-back games against the same opponents. Penn State's 5-7. and seven. They're 2-6 and six in the Big Ten, but they nearly knocked off Ohio State in Columbus. They lost 83-79 uh, to uh, the Buckeyes uh, in the game that just preceded Wisconsin's so this is going to be a, a tough matchup for, for Wisconsin. As Mark Turgeon said earlier this week uh, to the Big Ten Network, there's no layups this year in the Big Ten. Really, 1 through 13, they're going to be tough games. Uh, I'm not counting out Nebraska because Nebraska has been terrible uh, through the better part of this season. And the Big Ten is showing that. You look at the 14 teams in the Big Ten, the longest winning streak is two games. Michigan and Ohio State have won two in a row. Everyone else has your... Won one, lost one. Northwestern has the longest losing streak at seven. Nebraska, which has been a pause, has lost five in a row. So this will be tough. And Wisconsin always seems to struggle at Penn State. And there's hardly any fans ever at Penn State. And there'll be no fans here. So it's going to be pretty similar for Wisconsin. Can the Badgers improve and stay very impressive on the road? Right now they are 3-1 and one in conference play. This win on Wednesday night was their seventh win in quad one and quad two games according to the net rankings uh, only Alabama and Purdue have more quad one and two wins in the nation than Wisconsin Wisconsin also has seven wins over the Kempom top 50 so very very solid uh, resume for Wisconsin despite some uh, inconsistent play as of late also to Greg Gard uh, now 30 and 30 in true road games and those 30 wins over the last six seasons trail only Michigan State and Purdue among Big Ten teams. Wisconsin won in College Park for the first time since 2016. So Wisconsin just checking off all these tough venues to win in. Kind of helps not having those fans all on top of you. It would be probably be a much different result had Wisconsin had to deal with a raucous Xfinity Center on Wednesday night. So Badgers moving forward. Big win. Now we'll see what Wisconsin can do at Penn State on Saturday afternoon. Our guest this week on the podcast is one of the top defensive recruits in the state of Wisconsin. Maybe the top defensive recruit in the state of Wisconsin since Braylon Allen reclassified to the 2021 class. He has eight offers, including Wisconsin, and he is joining the program now in Sun Prairie defensive lineman Isaac Hom. Isaac, thanks for joining the show today. 
Obviously, this has been a weird year for everybody, and it's been, I think, a hard year for a lot of high school football players. How has the change from a fall season to a spring season affected kind of your approach to playing football? How has it altered your timeline? How has it altered a variety of different things that you kind of get in a routine for? Well, I mean, I would just say, I'll say first and foremost, when you look at it from like a recruiting standpoint and like some of those kids who are getting really highly recruited, it was kind of tough that we couldn't take any of our officials and we couldn't reach out to more schools than we wanted to and the dev here getting extended and all that. So it was definitely tough from a recruiting standpoint that I, I couldn't really get to experience that to its fullest. But I mean, as far as just playing football, I think if you really look at the best athletes in the state, we, we all really just looked at it as more time to improve before we play our next football season. So that's just kind of how I took it. And I was just like, you know, if I can't do much about the situation, I can't change it, so I might as well just get to work right now. And once my, once my junior season comes around, I'm going to be ready for battle. So that's just kind of how I looked at it. How has the growth in your game, do you think, improved because of the delayed season? You, you just mentioned it. You gave you more time to work on your game. What areas have you worked on, and where do you think you've made major strides? Well, I would say the biggest thing is last year I was playing defensive line, defensive end at probably like 6'5", like 190. And now this year I'm, I'm sitting at like 6'6", 275. So I would definitely just say I got a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot faster, more explosive. So I would just say I would be a lot more of a, a presence stopping the run, and I'd be a lot more aggressive with the pass rush too. So I think just I think everything kind of took an upgrade with the time I had to – work on my mechanics and everything this offseason. College coaches have talked to reporters about in recruiting, it's really hard to find a really solid defensive lineman, especially a nose tackle. And and what all the roles are asked to do with kind of sucking up double teams and, and weighing those one-on-one battles against interiors to set up place for the linebacker. I'm curious, how did you kind of fall into playing defense? You know, growing up in Wisconsin, a lot of guys kind of are offensive linemen first and foremost. You see it in the recruiting with how yeah, yeah. With, with how guys are kind of flocked to this state to get those really four- and five-star guys. Were you ever kind of drawn to the offensive side of the ball? And, and kind of where where did you make major strides wanting to play defense? Yeah, so actually all the way up until my sophomore year. Last year was the first year I ever played the defensive side of the football, defensive line more specifically. But uh, I was always a linebacker, and I got a little bit of time, a little bit of time back at uh, a lot of time back at running back, actually. And I played a little bit of linebacker, and then I also played some wide receiver, some quarterback. They had me everywhere. But it kind of, it kind of got to the point where I was getting way too tall to be playing running back and be on that side of the football, and I wasn't nearly filled out on my frame enough to be playing offensive line either. So my coaches kind of looked at me and they said, if he's not playing offense and O-line, we don't really have much else place to put him on defense at 6'5", so we're going to stick him on the line and see what happens. And that, that's just basically where I went from there. Ever since, I've just been playing defense. You mentioned so many different positions that you played. When you were able to focus on one position, did you think that that really helped elevate your understanding of the position and really kind of make you a player that a lot of schools or colleges are starting to look at as a potential scholarship player? Oh, yeah, for sure, because that's when I really got to break down the, the hands and the technique and all my different pass rush moves. So I really got to break down the game and kind of study my position a lot better once I moved to the defensive line. So I'll say that definitely helped me in my recruitment, my success playing football, all that. So that was definitely a big piece in that. 
We're a stats-driven business, Isaac. Everyone kind of looks at the box score and wants to see who has the most tackles and who did this, well, catches, yards, whatever. What do you think is the mark of a good defensive lineman? What is the number or what is kind of the attribute that you look at and say, that's a lineman, a defensive lineman that's really doing his job? Is it more so the tackles from the linebackers that you're doing your job open up lanes, or is it something else that we don't see? Yeah, I would say, I would say definitely that it's especially in the defense that my high school football team runs we're really it's not set up for the defensive linemen to have any individual success or tackles or anything for that matter it's all really we're supposed to fill a gap get double teams and our linebackers are supposed to have a field day making plays so i think it really depends on the front that your defense is running for the defensive lineman you're looking at but i would say definitely how much they're impacting the team's success how many quarterback pressures they have how many double teams they're fighting through. So I would say it's the smaller stuff like that rather than just raw stats. Your raw stats are pretty good, your, your sophomore season. 37 tackles, 14 for loss, 4 sacks, 2 fumbles, an interception. Can you describe to me what it's like when you beat your offensive lineman and you got a clear lane at the quarterback and you're just teeing him up? What, what kind of goes through your head? Are you just excited that you're about to make a play or are you just so fo- focused in that it doesn't really hit you that you're about to lay a smack on a quarterback until after it happens? Yeah, I mean, really, really, once I, once I break through that line and I see it's just me and the quarterback back there and I know he's not beating me outside, I, I, I don't even really think about it because I know that if I, don't, if, I, if I get two in my head before I make the tackle and I miss the play, I'm about to get screamed at and benched. So <laughs> it's, I, typically, I'm just numb making the play, and then once I get up and I hear the crowd, then I realize what just happened. But, yeah, typically it's all business until the whistle's blown. Talking to Isaac Hom, uh, strong side defensive end, uh, Sun Prairie. Uh, Isaac, not a lot of guys from Sun Prairie get recruited. I mean, certainly Jalen Johnson from your high school a couple years back uh, draw a lot of basketball attention. But in terms of football, you know, a couple walk-ons here and there. Um, you know, Craig Evans from a couple years ago got recruited on the defensive line. When did schools really start coming in and, and talking to you? And when did you really start to get uh, kind of swept up in the recruiting process? Um, well, really, actually, it was one year ago yesterday was when I got my first offer and is when I took my first visit as well. And so I so I, just about a year ago, and that was, that was uh, Iowa came into my high school, and they said, hey, if you can take this junior day down here, we got some good news for you. So then a year ago, we went down to Iowa City, and then that's when they had thrown that first offer, and that's kind of when they started rolling in. What was that? What was that? That drive like about three hours down to Iowa City. Um, you know, there's a lot of time to contemplate things. What, what were you thinking? That obviously you knew, hint, hint, wink, wink, that you're probably going to get an offer. Um, what was your reaction, and what kind of went through your mind that my first offer is from a Big Ten school that wants me to play in the defensive line in one of the more physical run conferences in the country? What kind? Of, what? What? What's the impact on you in that situation happens? Well, I mean. I mean, during the drive, I, I had no idea I was going to get offered, to be honest. I, I just thought I was like another kid at the visit. But then the coach, coach uh, Bell, actually, he came up to me, the defensive line coach for Iowa, and he was like, hey, can you stop my office after the visit? Remember to stop in. So I stopped in there, and we did some we did some drills. We did some flexibility outside. And he was like, hey, I want to offer you. And I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what do you mean, coach? And then... He kind of told me what that meant, and I was like, oh, so this is what, like, the really good kids post on Twitter. <laughs> and then he was, like, he was like, yeah, and I was like, wow, that's crazy, Coach. So then 
that's just kind of when it all hit me right there. And I, if I recall, Wisconsin didn't take too much longer to offer you after that. They were pretty quick to extend you an offer too, right? Yeah, it was like a couple days. Obviously, it's great to get that first offer, but to get an offer from the the only in-state Division One school in the state of Wisconsin, a school that's not too far from you, did, did that was that as on the same footing as Iowa? Or did that mean more that the in-state school close to you offered? Or kind of go take me through getting a Badger offer. Well, I mean, I would say it's kind of tough because you'll never forget your first offer and the person, the people who took a chance on you before anyone else did, but. It's definitely something special to be said about getting that in-state offer. And, in fact, they came to Sun Prairie High School, and it was actually after school. I was, I was getting my workout in with my coach, my head coach. And then I, I see some dudes standing with a bunch of Badger gear in front of me out of nowhere when I was benching. And I was like, yo, what's going on? And then that, that hit me right there. So I would say there was definitely something special about them coming and reaching out in person and getting that one. As you sit today, you have eight offers, uh, Notre Dame, Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Purdue, very strong Big Ten list. You've come out with a top four of Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. You still feel good about that list? Have you kind of made any edits to that list of any, any degree, or is that kind of the four that you've, um, you still feel pretty good about here uh, two months later after you announced that? Uh, I don't care how I'll answer this. Um, I would say that I definitely still feel great about that list, and those are four very, very high-powered schools that are definitely still the top four on my list. But there are some potential options that could lead to me recruiting my opening my recruiting back up. Okay, are you able to share any of those? What kind of schools have been talking to you? Um, I would say, but I would say I want to wait until I know that they're going to offer before I share those. Okay. So I mean, I, I can definitely once once I find that out, I'll definitely hit you back with those schools. But right now, I just got to kind of keep it under wraps. I understand. I know Ohio State. You have them in your in your list. They haven't offered you yet. Do you? Uh, how's the conversation kind of gone with Ohio State? Do you feel that they're closer to offering you? Yeah, I definitely think that with with what I'm doing in the off season right now, and what I'm doing in the classroom, and then once I get my junior season. Depending on how I do my junior season, I think that's going to be one of the first ones to come in afterwards. I'm done playing. Certainly, Ohio State has kind of made themselves one of the preeminent schools in the country, not just the Big Ten. You, know, you obviously made the national championship game a year ago. To get an offer from them, what what impact do you think that will have with you? Um, I mean, I would, I would say that's just definitely like that would kind of put my mind at rest as far as my final four because then I know that I have all four of those and now it's just a choice of finding a school that's the best fit for me. So I would say it would, it would really just help me to know that I had that last option because that's a really great school to have as an option. Another uh, question for you about your recruiting before we move on. Um, you know, one of the big news uh, lately here at Wisconsin was uh, Anoki Brechtefeld leaving to go to Vanderbilt and Ross Kalaji having uh, been hired to fill that role. I, I'm sure you've had some connections with Ross since he's been the head strength and conditioning coach, um, so you're familiar with him to a degree. Has he reached out to you since he took the job? And if so, what is that, what is that conversation like? Yeah, for sure. We've, we've talked several times since he took the job, and um We've, because strength and conditioning is really his biggest thing, and that's what he knows a lot about, and I'm definitely into lifting right now in the offseason, we, we center a lot of our topics around training and how I can best prepare myself for my next season and for further moving, playing on Saturdays in the future. But we, we really talk about strength and conditioning a lot, and we're also talking about how we can kind of incorporate 
am learning how I best play in my play style on the football field. There's some really good players in the 2022 class in state. It seems like the state of Wisconsin has really kind of blossomed in terms of putting out high-level players. You know, Carson Hitzman. Um, you know, you look at you know Braylon Allen, who was in the 2022 class before reclassifying. I know you two have a nice uh, relationship. Can you kind of tell me about that with with you and Braylon? I know you guys have done some some weightlifting stuff, some friendly competitions with each other. What has it been like kind of having him? And you know, he was a national recruit too. Have you been able to kind of pick his brain a little? bit? bit has he since he went through the process to kind of get some advice yeah yeah we definitely i mean i wouldn't look at it as like taking his brain i would just say that's like he's one of my closest friends that's one of these in-state football players and we will whether it be on facetime or we'll be texting or whatever it may be we definitely just share like kind of the the ins and outs of being a recruit and balancing like school and football and our social life so it's just good to have a dude who's in the same boat as me who can like kind of understand what what happens on a daily basis. You mentioned earlier that you know the pandemic kind of shut down visits and things like that. Um, how has not being able to visit places and go to games this past fall, do you think that's had a, a negative impact on you to any degree, or do you still feel pretty comfortable with kind of how you've been able to go through the process and just talking to coaches and seeing campuses over um, you know virtual visits and, and Zoom calls? Um, I would say that it definitely had a negative impact on me in the sense that I think every every kid that's a four or five star recruit, they've definitely worked for each and every one of those stars, so they should be rewarded with those officials and all those visits and whatever they can go to, but I, I don't think it's been like a huge deal because in my eyes, I'm still a high school football player and I'm just working to get to college, so it hasn't been a huge impact, but I think it would definitely be great if I ever had a chance to take those officials, yeah. Has it been nice for you that you've been kind of able to, even though everything has kind of been shut down to a degree, that you still have a sense of normalcy in the sense that you still have practice, you're still able to work out, and you still have a season to look forward to, that that's kind of helped you stay in a routine, and that's kind of, you really haven't had a fall off in your development because of that routine? Oh, yeah, I would say, if anything, my development has kind of skyrocketed because I know that if I don't have that routine, I'm going to start to fall behind, so... And we, we recently just got back into football practice, and we got our team workouts going on now. So, yeah, I definitely think that with the pandemic and everything happening, I think that it definitely boosted me as a football player. And I, having that routine is definitely crucial for me. You know, Sun Prairie has really developed into one of the top Division One, Division you know, top Division One programs in the state uh, with you know, state championship appearances and deep runs into the playoffs. Tell me, kind of, about your makeup of, of this team this year. Uh, it's going to be different with with the the spring schedule, but you know, what are kind of the the makeup of your team? What do you like about your squad this year? I would say first and foremost, I'm gonna come out and just say, well, I think that we're gonna have the best football team in Wisconsin this spring, no question. And I say that because we're going to have a uh, basically an all-conference returning offensive line with me as an addition this year. We're going to have very good depth at our wide receiver, quarterback, and running back positions with Brady Stevens, who broke almost all of our conference records, and then Jerry Kaminsky, who's uh, getting a lot of college interest right now, is just a sophomore. And then our defense, too, is going to be uh, – We I think we have, like, uh, I don't even know – we got a lot of returning starters on our defense, too, and so I, I just think that our team definitely is going to melt together well, and I think we're going to take off this year. 
Isaac, thanks for joining us today. Uh, continue health to you. Good luck with your recruitment. We look forward to talking to you again down the road. And again, stay healthy, stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you on the football field here in a couple months. Yes, sir. Good talking to you today. That is my conversation with Isaac Hom of Sun Prairie, and that is our podcast show for today. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation. We'll keep you up to date with the latest going on in Wisconsin football assistant coaching search, and we will be keeping you up to date with everything going on with Wisconsin basketball as they prepare to play Penn State on Saturday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.